0: Welcome to Paddling Adventures Radio. I'm Sean Rowley and with me is Derek Spech. Hello. Uh, how are things going, Derek? I'm going good, going good. Anything new this
1: week? Um, actually, I do have something new. It's kind of interesting. And, you know, it kind of surprises me that uh, that something can be around for such a long time and then you come across it and you think, it's, it, that is so unusual that why haven't I heard about it before? Anyways, do you, do you recall we had... Uh, oh about a dozen episodes ago or more, we, we talked about the, uh, the log ride down the river in Japan and it's oh, like from the old logging days. I want to do that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah I can't yeah, believe yeah. that was uh a... Yeah. And so it's like, exactly. You can't believe it. So you, you say to yourself, <laughs> <laughs> that's a thing. Yeah. Yeah. that's How is this a thing? Yeah. But apparently
0: it's been a thing for oh, a couple of hundred years. <laughs> so have you ever heard about
1: tanking? Not like tanking exam or I tanked my exam today and yeah <laughs> <laughs> have no clue about that <laughs> no but like it, it's it's no a, it's called tanking and I found it's in uh, Nebraska it's in Kansas anyways have you ever have you ever seen on like uh, farm videos or movies about you know cattle and some whatnot they have these huge eight foot diameter water troughs
0: for cattle. I've actually seen them live and in person, actually. Oh, yeah? Yeah, don't forget, I lived out west. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, what, what? could you see any practical use other than watering cows with those?
0: Put some wheels on it? <laughs> use it as a trailer? <laughs> I guess, you know, that would hold a lot of gravel. Bomb shelter? <laughs> people- Hide your co- weed in there? Giant <laughs> yes. water plant? Yeah.
1: <laughs> but people- uh <laughs> <laughs> and, and you can actually rent these from outfitters, but people rent them and they run down rivers. They call it tanking. So you do a river run in this thing. They put- they Like build a boat. It, like a boat. They put benches around the, in the inside of it there. And you and you put five or six people inside it and you just, you float down river. Like you can paddle them. They don't steer very well. They don't have a front and a back. <laughs> And and they say if you're gonna paddle it, you have to start a lot sooner than you would with like a canoe or a kayak. So if you think you might want to paddle, you better start
0: paddling. Now these are the round ones,
2: the
1: big round, the big ones, round yeah. ones, exactly.
0: So it's like tubing, except in a big metal a t- giant sinkable <laughs> metal tub. So we're talking the ones that look like the bottom of a can.
2: Yeah, if you take like
0: a, a soup can and cut most of it off. Yeah, if you if you slice two feet like off the bottom of a can, except bigger. Like a giant tuna can. Except bigger. Yes. An eight foot tuna can. (laughs) Let's jump in that and float down the river. Is that what you're telling me? Yes. I found
2: it on. How is that a
1: thing? I found it on uh, canoeandkayak.com, but that was a couple years ago. And then just recently on, uh, on May 30th, like, you know, a couple months ago, I found another older article and uh, it was on Gear Junkie. Anyways, uh, just the, over the summer, you know, you're looking for something to read. I'm coming across different. And, you know, you, it's like one of those things on YouTube where you, you hit the dark
0: side of YouTube. Just like,
1: how did I get here?
0: And then you see it again and again <laughs> <Exactly>. and again. <laughs>
1: so uh, these articles keep popping up. And uh, <laughs> I, I tell you, like, uh, like it's, you know, you ever hear bathtub races and stuff like yeah. that? Oh, yeah. Well... It, and like I said, just a, just a minute ago, it's like people rent these. So outfitters have, uh, there's one outfitter in Nebraska. He's got like 30 of these things that he rents out to people.
0: 30 of them. He's got. You th- know, I'm thinking redneck <laughs> and I'm well, thinking. This is no, so hang on, redneck. hang on. Wait, wait here. So down the river, you fill this with rednecks, throw yep. some alcohol in there, give them each a gun and you post like targets along the riverbank (laughs) as they go. I mean, this is a, we're talking Olympic sport. Yes.
2: (laughs) (laughs) But isn't that hilarious? That is.
1: I'm not not sure. I've looked at a few pictures and there's a bunch of YouTube videos. I just don't understand how they remain stable because, you know, it doesn't take much to, I wouldn't imagine if if everybody went on one side, you just tip this thing right over.
0: I guess you'd have to, you definitely have to spread out.
1: You couldn't all yeah. stay on one side, but they have benches inside, and it's just like you know, like
0: locker room benches all around the whole out- outside of it. And I wonder how many of them you can convince to put a hole in the bottom, and do some fishing, <laughs> <laughs> glass bottom boat, <laughs> <laughs> put a hole in there, do some yeah. fishing, as you float by. Yeah, you're <laughs> having another beer, trust me. <laughs> how hilarious is that though? That's uh, tanking, that's tanking, wow! <laughs> well, and they come in different shapes too, right? Like, I mean, you can get the big long ones that almost look like a a trough, sort of thing. Yes, and if you go to any farm, like I, I, I remember seeing
1: these big ones in, uh, in, in like magazines and stuff, and in, like in movies. But I've never seen one of these big ones in person. Although they have something similar that they put around like up in rural areas for telephone poles for stability in swampy areas, they'll, yes. they'll yes one of these, something like this into the ground, fill it with rocks, telephone pole holds up. Hold it up a bit. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I imagine the same manufacturer makes the cattle tanks as well as the, uh, the berm tanks for telephone poles. Wow. But it's just, it's, and I, I think to myself, wow, how new is this? Well, no, it's not new at all because it, like, it's because, you know, like I said earlier, it's, is how have I not
0: heard about this. It must be new, but that's no, not new. So how would one of these bad boys fare in the rapids? I, I mean, do you want to go extreme whitewater tanking? I doubt it. <laughs> They're metal. <laughs> just means it's like an old Grumman. Well, yeah, when you're Grumman, you hit a rock, it's screeching halt. <laughs> well, you just get a dent, you hammer it out. Yeah. Somebody kicks it from the inside, you carry a hammer with you in inside. In and you couldn't steer these things. You'd have to rely on <laughs> Well, could you imagine rapids and followed by a waterfall? <laughs> like extreme kayaking, you can go up three hundred foot waterfall. <laughs> Here's Derek. He's going to attempt a one hundred foot drop in a big metal drum. Yeah. <laughs> wow, I can't believe people do that.
1: It's it's incredible, and and honestly, now that I've seen it, it
0: looks very appealing. You want to do it, don't you? <laughs> You're next yeah, a little red there, buddy. You
1: bring a couple, of beer, <laughs> bring a couple of beer, bring a couple beer, bring a lunch. You'd need
0: a really long. I wonder if there's any applications for this in Algonquin. Like, how many really long rivers are there that you could do this? Too much white water in Algonquin. And the rivers are either shallow or rough. Mm-hmm. Or both. Well, if this will float in a river, there's no reason it won't float on a lake. You can put your little 9.9 on that bad boy.
2: (laughs) I hadn't thought about that, yeah. You can put an upward on it. You get
0: five or six of these all put together. You get yourself a giant raft of floating bow wave off of one of these. Wow. You'd be going like one (laughs) kilometer an hour. Yeah. (laughs) That thing chugging. But the people, Canoe Lake, taking all those kids to camp. Oh. (laughs) In a great big one of these. Everybody, sit down. Yeah. (laughs) We're going to town. Wow, that's, that's insane! Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I don't know that I would. You know what? It'd be a novelty if the price was right. It would be a novelty to try it once.
1: If I was down in Kansas or Nebraska or whatever, I would like I would try it. Yeah, just because it's a it, from the from looking here, it's uh at Sandhill's Motel. They have a glidden canoe rental there. It's like thirty-six to sixty-two dollars, depending on the length of the trip and the vessel chosen. I imagine you don't bring it back. You, there's a place to, for a takeout.
2: You
0: can probably roll it back,
1: <laughs> but like the the outfitter would have to collect it up. It's like
0: yeah, average I mean, Joe. If, it's go, is, if the current's going down, you're going yeah. downhill, right?
2: Yeah,
1: that's hmm. awesome. <laughs> Interesting.
0: Yeah, I mean thirty-six bucks to how much? 62? Yeah. Sixty-two. Yeah, depending on the US? length of the trip. So that's about a hundred bucks of a trip yeah, per person. <laughs> It'd be a fun afternoon. <laughs> I'd have the fishing pole in there. I'd oh, have yeah. beers in there. Yeah. I'd have a gun in
2: there. <laughs> <laughs> I'd make it a whole day of
0: Maybe a little anchor just to stop a few spots. But uh, no, that, that uh, whatever floats your boat or your tank, I guess. <laughs> yep. it's, uh, yeah. It's all good. A cattle water tank. Wow. That's awesome. Big old trough <laughs> racing. Next thing you know, it's going to be an Olympics. Well, I don't think it'd be racing per se. It'd just be, be a long race. Right? It'd be make... like it'd be like the speed walkers. Yes, it's going to take a while. Precisely. Yeah. Precisely. Trough racers.
1: Like the most you could do, you Full could easily contact make it. Spin. Trough racing. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, this is good. We're <laughs> all gonna die. We're all gonna die. We're all gonna die.
0: Wow, that's uh, definitely a new new one on me, man. Yes, I'll take my I'll take my uh, log riding in Japan though. I'll still I, you know <laughs> I'll leave with that one. I
1: tell you, if I'm ever in Japan, I'm gonna look that up. And I'm if I'm ever in there.
0: Nebraska, I'm gonna look this up. Oh, my daughter wants to go to Japan so bad, so. <laughs> She's gonna need a chaperone when she's over there. Absolutely. Now <laughs> you go spend time with your friends, whatever. I'm done chaperoning. <laughs> I'm heading to the canyon to ride some logs. <laughs> Say what? <laughs> Too cool. Oh, I tell you. Um, <laughs> well, on that note, <laughs> so we sat down a while ago. <laughs> Speaking of metal things, Yeah. Uh, you got yourself a gilly kettle. Yes. Because we've did. been, we've been looking at the Kelly kettles.
1: And yeah, I, and we ended up, uh, the two of us sat down and we ended up doing a lot of research between the two. And like before, what was it? It was, uh, last winter we went to some
0: outfitter. Oh, the uh, Canadian outdoor equipment. equipment company. Yeah.
1: And so that's the first time I've ever seen a, a Kelly kettle. Yeah.
0: Well, and they had the big one there, which I'm yes. just like, if you're taking that on a camping canoe trip. Yeah, it you takes up issues. a lot of room. Yeah, that's like one yeah. portage.
1: <laughs> and and when even with the smaller ones, with their I think with they have a scout one or whatever. Anyway, some of the smaller ones that like the kit prices really kind of scared me off. Yeah, because we were looking at prices in the range of two hundred fifty, three hundred dollars, right?
0: Yeah, that's that for something like that. Yeah, you look at it and you think, you know, that's uh, that's pretty cool, but when you start thinking. Well, let's describe the to people what they are. Practical uh, applications of it. Yes. Of taking it. Yeah.
1: For anybody who's never seen a Kelly kettle or don't don't know what we're talking about, it's basically, you have your round, basic round metal kettle, but, and you know, you put it on the fire, but the distinct use of this thing is that it's, it's a, like a.
0: Picture a metal cylinder. Yeah. A metal with cylinder. And an, a smaller cylinder inside. Yeah. So it's
1: hollow. Like, not, not, the hollow is an air through it and it's a water jacket. Yeah. If anybody, if you're mechanically minded, like a diesel engine, water jacketed cooling or whatever, it's
0: uh, it's got a water jacket. So the water goes in a spout between these two walls, the inner and outer wall. Yeah. And then the bottom is hollow, which sits on a base where you build a small fire. Yeah. And the hollow middle of the whole unit allows the heat and the smoke to rise up through a funnel or a chimney. Like a chimney. At the top.
1: So it's, so it's, it's heat, got a
0: really good heat transfer because yeah. you've got so much more surface area. Yeah, the heat boils the water from the inside yeah. wall as opposed to the outside or or, or just underneath. It's, mm-hmm. it's, yeah, more surface area of uh, heat in the water, not and, just the little bit on the bottom.
1: And I'd been, I think both of us are off and on have been looking at these things and I've been interested in getting one. It's just, I just couldn't justify the cost, the price. Yeah. And, and so the, basic where you just get the kettle and the base burner is I think it was like 160 170 and so that's just your basic setup and I thought well, boil water for I, I, I could find better uses of my money than than that right and so I wasn't really sure and and you know some people do buy them and they swear by them they, yep. they they really like them and and so now I went out and when I re, uh, in the spring when I discovered the gilly kettle And so there's different manufacturers around the world that make these specific types of kettles. The biggest one is the Kelly kettle.
0: Yeah. And then. There's the Thermet from New Zealand, also known because in World War II, it was known as the Benghazi burner. Yes. It was a standard issue for the army. Uh, There's the Storm kettle from Ireland and Kelly kettle is also known as the Volcano kettle. Yes. And then there's, there's the Gilly kettle, but you know, all roses by another name sort of deal,
1: right? Yeah. So it's pretty much, it. and you can't really improve on the design. It's a very basic design, and yeah. and if you look at everybody's Kelly Kettle, Volcano Kettle, Kettle Benghazi Kettle, whatever, they they're all basically the same. You, you when you stand them side by side, it's like you know just different heights or different diameters, but they're all basically the same thing.
0: Yeah, and when I was when I was doing some research on, I was trying to find you know what's the difference, who was the original, that sort of thing. And it comes down to Kelly Kettle saying they've been making theirs since 1891. Yes. And Gilly Kettle saying they've been making theirs for centuries. So yeah, well, <laughs> let's just <laughs> nail it down, right? So I think, I think it's, there's no one really knows who started them. Yeah, but right? as
1: a manufacturer, I think Kelly Kettle is the oldest manufacturer. Yeah.
0: Now, doing my research, I also noticed a Gilly is... Uh, an angler guide, so yes. you're basically, your fishing guide, yes, right, and that's what a gilly is. So, like a voyager. Well, they would um, take take people guide. out, yes, to go fishing, yep, and this would be the kettle they had. The yep. fishing guy would have this, and then that's what they would use to make tea. And I think that's where gilly got their name, and yeah. ob- obviously,
1: that's where gilly got their name. Yeah,
0: Kelly kettle is you know from a one family that have been in what fourth generation now. Yeah,
1: yeah, handed it down. It's which is. Unique because mm-hmm. most companies don't last down through generations. It's, it's you know maybe one in ten, one in twenty might last a couple of generations before somebody, you know the kids decide oh, I don't want any part of this business type. Yeah, thing. well these
0: are what the great 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 grandsons mm-hmm. have taken it over. Yeah, and they, and, uh, they
1: took business in the international market. Yeah, in, in two
0: thousand five they went international. Yeah. So that's that's huge.
1: Yeah. So anyways, these uh, these kettles. I've had my ghillie kettle since spring now and i've used it quite a few times it's uh we we got together the very first time i used it way back in what is it may or something
0: and yeah, uh, end of May beginning of june yeah
1: so it uh i wanted to test run it i wanted to get some use out of it and stuff like that but uh it, it's it works it uh, it boils water really quick i mm-hmm. bought the one liter sized unit and uh it, it's really quick to boil water it's very efficient it's, uh, it's slightly bulky for, uh, pretty much single use, but it's, uh, it's got a few minor uses and, but it really, when it comes down to it, like comparing to, comparing the, the various iterations of, you know, what you get with the Kelly Kettle, what you get with the Gilly Kettle, it's, uh, you're getting pretty much the same thing. You just have to, you have to weigh back and forth what you want out of it. Yeah. So like the the for example the 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 Kelly kettle has a very like there you can get the basic for both it's just the kettle with the burning base and that's basically uh, I think one seventy for the Kelly kettle and it's ninety nine dollars for the gilly kettle and uh, the Kelly kettle is stainless I think they have aluminum version and but the gilly kettle is just aluminum you can get the aluminum in uh, in uh, what they call it, the anodized, hard anodized. Yeah, they've
0: got the aluminum, the silver anodized, and the hard anodized. Yes,
1: so it's a, uh, it is a little bit cheaper for the gilly kettle, and then with the uh, they have full-on kits. So you, with the Kelly kettle kit, you get like cups and bowls and utensils, and you know there's uh, uh, cooking surfaces and grills and grates, and and basically you're going to cook on it, but you're either going to cook right on the base, or you put the kettle on to boil, and then the chimney sends the heat directly straight up into a base of a, uh, a grill or grate that you could put a pot on and you're basically cooking over top of your kettle. And the kettle is the, the kettle itself is what directs the heat to your pot,
0: which is a, a decent design. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I, the top you would definitely be for like liquids and stuff in a pot. Yeah. It wouldn't be to put a piece of steak or something. No, on. No, no, absolutely not. Not, not at all. Yeah. Um, now, when we tested yours, um, we started the fire in the base. Yes. And the minute the fire caught, we immediately put the Kelly kettle on. Yeah, put it on and then. And then started putting some sticks and stuff through the chimney to, yep. to build that fire up. From the minute we put that kettle on through the time it took to build up the fire and boil the water. Five minutes and twenty seconds which is pretty darn quick yeah I, and if i I compare
1: that to uh, boiling a liter of water on a like a, what four minutes four and a half minutes what on a white gas stove mm-hmm. type thing, right yeah, so it's it's I think it's the due to the efficiency of the design you have so much surface area to transfer heat into and and that's where you get your time savings
0: now, after the water was boiled, we put the little grate on the top we had a big piece of thick bread, yeah. Texas toast, and we put that on top just to see, and it was less than thirty seconds aside So yeah. that bread was nice yeah. and toasted really well.
1: Yeah, and it was it was nice. It had a nice, actually, it, it, at first I thought, oh, this is very smoky, but then I'm thinking this is a nice flavor of smoky toast. Throw some
0: butter on there, yeah. some honey, some peanut butter, and marmalade,
1: whatever. Smoked toast. It was yeah. actually really good.
0: Yeah and, yeah, and really quick. I mean, you wouldn't even have time, I think, to butter your first piece before the next mm-hmm. one was done.
1: Obviously, you have to be careful about, uh, for example, cooking toast, what you're burning, right? Fingers. <laughs> but, but you know, if you're burning any anything that's questionable, like uh, oh. pine cones that has like a slug in it or something, is mm. whatever comes out in the smoke, you're going to be eating off you're the gonna toast, right? You're going to be eating that, yeah. So you'd have to make sure you're
0: burning with clean wood. Yeah. Right? Um, but I think that goes with anything. Yeah, when it comes to the water, the gilly kettle has the spout with the like the the stopper with the whistle on it. Yeah. Um, We did notice that if you take the whistle off, it starts bubbling out. Bubbles boils over. So you've got to take you got to leave the whistle on. Grab it by the handle, lift it off the fire. Yes. And then take the whistle off. Otherwise, it spills out and goes down the front and leaks into where the fire is and, and as you're the, removing it yes. it bubbles out and it puts your fire out yes which kind of feeds the purpose if you want to keep on using it
1: yeah and anybody who's seen this or if you're thinking about the that the logistics of this it's when you pull it off of the fire you have to hold the handle off to the side and use leverage to pick it up because if you just pick it up by the handle the handle goes over top of the chimney then all that chimney heat is going right into your knuckles so yeah, how would be, you know that? <laughs> because <laughs> I did it and it hurt. Yeah. Wiener. <laughs> and it's, and I've, I've done it more than once. It's like when, when the thing starts to boil over and almost put the fire out, you want to get it off quick. So you just grab it really quick and, and you're not really thinking. And, and again, you put the heat right onto
0: your knuckles. So it's, uh, <laughs> it's, <Yeah. laughs> you have to be um. cognizant
1: of what you're doing. <laughs>
0: And when you're sitting without the little cross piece on the top, at the yeah. top of the, 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 chimney part, it's so easy just to be dropping sticks in nonstop. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. the one thing that I did notice though, is that when we did lift the kettle off, there mm-hmm. was a massive buildup.
1: Yeah. So all the sticks and all the, whatever, all like we lifted it off and if there's any unburned sticks, they kind of, just kind of tipped over and fell to the outside of the base and uh, you, we couldn't get the stove back onto it until we let it burn down some. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so there is that, that drawback. And there, there's a little grate that goes onto the base to cook if you wanted to cook something on on the grate. But there's so much ash, the grate wouldn't even sit on top of it. It was like kind of mounted and floating above the burning wood. So it wasn't, uh, to have more than enough wood to cause a decent fire, you can't get the grate on anymore.
0: Yeah, mind you, we were boiling the water for a while just to, to yeah. see it, right? And we had to keep a lot adding of ash. And, and yeah, there was a yeah. lot of ash. But yeah. there was a lot of... That kept that water boiled for a long time.
1: Yeah, yeah. And it, it, and all I was using is... Uh, I've got a big black walnut tree in the backyard and we were just using some of the winter fall twigs that came down over the winter and that I just leave piled to the side of the yard. So that we just burned that and it was nice and dry and whatnot. But I'm wondering... Like, like I, I've used it with pine. There was, you don't get as much soot with pine and twigs like that. But this, and I haven't used the, uh, the black walnut again since then, but that black walnut left a thick, tarry layer on the yeah. inside of that kettle. And for days afterwards, my wife was complaining about the smell of smoke in the house. And, uh, so I, ha- I have to store this thing out in the shed because it stinks so bad. No, it
0: does come with a bag. It does come so with you the bag. stick everything in, the but bag. But the smell comes out of the bag. It's, yeah. It's just I, think, a, I think you got to take a wire brush or something to it and give it a good scrapping. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think this fall when I put it away for the winter, I'm going to get some, uh, some oven cleaner, spray it down and.
0: Or when, between trips, just spray it in there, let it sit. Yeah. Yeah. Sit for a bit. I wouldn't night. want to
1: use oven cleaner too often on it because oven cleaner can kind of degrade metal too. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. But I mean,
0: for I, I'm wondering if it was just the black walnut or if it's like that. I think it was time. just the black walnut. Maybe yeah. I'll
1: try the to black walnut again in the spring when I get more winter fall from the tree. And see if that works
0: <laughs> or doesn't work, whichever. Yeah. <laughs> tarry soot. But yeah, the, the inside of that chimney was entirely just yeah. black and tarry and looking. we
1: only ran it
0: for 40 minutes. Yeah. An hour maybe. Um, and the smoke that was coming out just funnels straight up and, yep. you know, it was funneling nice up, perfect yeah. until the wind picked yeah. up. Yeah. And then it, uh, funnels straight in our faces. So, <laughs> <laughs> So the cost now we're looking at 200 and something for the kettle yeah. Kelly kettle.
1: Yeah, so the Kelly kettle is is more expensive but you're getting more. So and we're talking if you were talking pricing for a full kit where you get uh, cups and bowls and and uh, grills and all the bells and whistles and it is stainless steel. It's a, it's a very decent set and it's very attractive looking set. We're talking just under 300 bucks. Right. And with the Gilly Kettle, which is a very basic kit and it's aluminum. So you're, you're, you're not paying as much for stainless, right? So it's right. aluminum, but it's anodized aluminum. So it's hard, like, you know, it's a, it's a hard aluminum. And, uh, so it was 169 170 it's free shipping and, and whatnot, plus tax.
0: Uh, so, so about a hundred bucks difference yeah about but bucks you're difference. not getting all the extras that you really didn't need
2: any yeah
1: either. and and you know when i really compared the two the kelly kettle and gilly kettle i wanted something that was light mm-hmm. and i didn't need all of the bells and whistles i've got all my mugs and bowls and stuff that i already use and i already carry and and i was trying to save weight by going aluminum as opposed to stainless steel which i achieved it's still kind of unfortunately it's still bulky it's uh you really would have to worry about the, the bulk in your pack. Mm-hmm. And and also with the... I don't know about the Kelly kettle, because I don't own one, but it is stainless, so it would be harder. And I've been very careful with this one so far. So it's, you know, just got a few minor dents. But I imagine if you were to drop your uh, your canoe pack the wrong way at a portage or something, you could just heave in the side of this aluminum kettle.
0: Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely bulky that's for sure yeah um and I, I mean when i first saw it i'm thinking well that's not bad because you could stuff everything inside right but yes. when you're looking at all that tar and gunk exactly. and soot so in there you're not really going to be wanting to
1: it's going to wear off throw like if stuff you in you there Throw right? all
0: your utensils in there maybe then your utensils are going to be a little bit tarry yeah and then when you pick them up to start using them yeah there is going to be all over the place mm-hmm. so i don't know to me you know what it's a cool thing but i don't know i'm still not sold that i would take one on a canoe trip i'm using it a bit I'm
1: getting better at using it. It's uh it's not ideal because it does leave black tarry stuff on stuff mm-hmm. if it touches it. But uh I'll give it to the end of the season. I'm going to be using it a lot this fall. And uh maybe we'll get gather over winter when the uh, cabin fever sets in. We'll we'll kind of go over all the gear that we've used this summer.
0: Yeah. Um Yeah, like I say. If you if you're taking it with you and giving it a whirl then then let us know how that goes. Yeah, absolutely. I yeah. just, I just can't see bringing that big, bulky. Like I say, if I could wedge stuff in it to, you know, use it as storage space. But when you got something that round with that big empty space in the middle that you can't stick anything into, you're tempted to use it. Yeah. You know that just kind of like eh. it's a lot of wasted airspace. It's it's, it's yeah. wasted space in your pack. Yeah. I mean that's my opinion. But.
1: Yeah. It is it doesn't add much weight, but it's adds bulk to your kit.
0: And that's, yeah. And, and that's, that's the, the problem. Thing. Like
1: yeah. we, you only have so much room. Like, and that's one of the, that's one of the agonizing things every time I go on a trip and I'm sure you're the same way. It's like, what should I bring? What can I bring? I want to bring this, but that's too big. I want to bring that, but I don't have so much room. So you really weigh back and forth what you like to bring because there's, man, if you could bring everything, man, I'd have a telescope and who knows what, right?
0: I'd be leaving the underwear <laughs> and bringing the jelly beans. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> but yeah, you got to you have to weigh back and forth what you're going to carry in your limited amount of space. You can only carry so much.
0: Yeah, but you know what? For what it's meant to do, it does it well. Yeah, it does. It does it really well,
1: and people swear by it. You see people on you know, I did a lot of YouTube videos, and people swear by them. How they they love it or whatever. I don't know how much how many of them were, were paid advertising, but
0: <laughs> no. But you know what? I know people that have them in the Kelly kettles, the actual Kelly kettles, yeah. not the gilly. Um, and they seem to enjoy them. They seem to like them. Like I say, I mean, we saw that massive one at the, uh, outdoor store there and that would definitely be a base camp, base camp, uh, trailer camping, car camping, sort of
1: stupid thing was huge.
0: Yeah. That was massive.
1: (laughs) You know, he's as small as a small dog. I have, uh, interestingly though, is, uh, and you have to be careful with, because of the chimney flue and my uh, stove hood, but, uh. I've boiled water a few times on. I have a gas stove, right? So I've boiled water a few times just on the stove in the kitchen, and it works wonderfully with the gilly kettle. Yeah, really. Yeah, I've done it a couple of times now, and it, uh, it, you know, just making tea or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. And it boils up really quick.
0: So. Well, I mean, it's fire base. It is fire base. Right? Yeah, but it's just. Don't let your wife catch you doing it. <laughs>
1: Well, the problem is, is it starts to burn off some of the, some of the smokiness out of the inside of the kettle, so. it, the, and it puts th- it on the, the ceiling. House. Well, no, there's no more smoke came up because it's, it's a thick layer. Yeah. But it just, you could smell it all through the house. So it's like, oh. Good seeing
0: she was on <laughs> vacation when you decided to try it. <laughs> wow. Oh, I'll give us a, give it a whirl for the rest of the summer and. Yeah. Uh, into the fall, let us know how it all goes. Absolutely, and uh, yeah, maybe at the the season we'll uh, come back and say, yeah, liked it, liked it. Thought I liked it, but it sucked. Um, hated it. I just got. I need to meet somebody who has a Kelly kettle. Oh, a That's... Kelly kettle, gilly kettle duel. Yeah, I know. Ding 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 ding. Because really, it,
1: it you can't really tell by looking at something in a store. Yeah. right? you can lift it and look at it, but to actually use it, there it's totally different things, right? Yeah, and uh, so. I I've, I've used mine. I like mine, but I'd like to see I, I'd like to see what the, the whole kit uses like in mm-hmm. the backcountry.
0: Right? Yeah, because I mean half the stuff that the Kelly kettle comes with, you've already got. Exactly. Right? Yeah. So you'd be buying an A extra of set extra... of Well, you can
1: buy the base set of the Kelly kettle, right? So you could get the base set which is just the basic burner cup and kettle. Right. And that's 160 or 170 which is the price I paid for the full kit of the Gilly Kettle. Yeah. So it's, I don't know.
0: Depends what you're willing to spend. Yeah, we'll
1: see. Anybody out there has a Gilly Kettle, drop us a line and let us know
0: what you think of yours. Yeah, and we'll uh, maybe compare them. Well, let's take a quick break here. and we come back, we're going to get into something a bit more serious. You are listening to Paddling Adventures Radio on Reno Viola Outdoors. Do you enjoy getting on the water with a paddle in your hand? If so... This show's for you. Listen to Paddling Adventures Radio every Wednesday at 6 a.m. and 6 p.m. and see what's happening in the world of paddle sports. Paddling Adventures Radio, whether you're close to home or far away, grab a paddle and get on the water. If you like the show you are listening to right now, you can listen
1: to it and many more just like it on Reno Viola Outdoors Radio. Fishing, hunting, boating, and the rest of the great outdoors 24-7, 365 on Reno Viola Outdoors Radio. Download the free Reno Viola's Outdoor Radio app or visit wrvoradio.com online to see the lineup and schedule.
0: That's Reno Viola Outdoors Radio and enjoy the great outdoors. And welcome back. Um, So we're going to talk about something a bit serious here. Now, I know you've been on canoe trips, Derek, and I mean, even just hikes and stuff like that. I want to talk about vandalism in the backcountry because I saw, I saw a couple of little things. I know you've seen a couple of little articles about vandalism stuff happening. But when you go on a camping trip, like a canoe trip or just regular campgrounds or something like that, you see garbage left around, you see nails in trees, yeah, uh, People use for hanging stuff. Yeah. You see people carving their names into trees. Um, you know, that sort of stuff. Uh, when you go on portages, you see garbage left on the end of portages because people don't want to carry it in any farther or don't want to carry it out. You see garbage just left on interior campsites. Yeah.
1: And you see a lot of this and it, it always just kind of blows my mind that, you know, somebody thinks ahead you know, your camping
0: checklist. Do I have zip ties? Do I have nails? Do I have a hammer? That's all the type of vandalism. Uh, I, I know it's been a practice for many, many, many years, especially the let's put a spike in this tree and, and hang something off yeah. of it, you know, that sort of thing. We're tie a, you know, put a nail in and we can use it to tie off a rope for the tarp, that sort of thing. But you figure in this day and age, like that should be done and over with. You would think.
1: But it's not. It's not. And I I don't know where where the average person's education for the outdoors in the backcountry, where the break-off point is and where people don't learn what to do and what not to do. Mm-hmm. It, it's like, you know, it, it comes down as simple as like everybody knows that smoking is bad, but you still see tons of people smoking. Yeah. So it's just people aren't... The learning the lesson or they're putting themselves above everybody else and above the natural natural surroundings of when they go camping
0: yeah I mean it comes down to some education as well like you're saying they're not learning um, people that are going out for the first time or something like maybe they don't realize like maybe they, the first few times they've been out on trips there's always the nails and and whatnot and yeah um, you know so they think oh that's just natural but when you get people that are carving Their names into trees, yeah. Or they sit there, and I've seen it. They sit there with a hatchet at a at a campsite, and they just start hacking off chunks of a tree, a live, living tree, for the sake of doing it. Yeah, they're
1: not even cutting the tree down. They're just hacking. They're just hacking out chunks. And I've seen it
0: often. That's like that's that is such a bad form of vandalism. Yes, and I don't honestly know what kind of public. Education can be given, except for through social media, through outfitters, through park staffs. Yes, if you're going into a provincial park or something, national park or or something like that. Um, but there seems to be more and more articles and uh, write-ups about vandalism in well, the backcountry.
1: I think also more and more it, it kind of correlates with the way we use the backcountry nowadays is uh you hear more and more there's more and more pressure of new people trying out the backcountry and and there's a lot of uh you see a lot of it on social media and people you know getting that Instagram shot of some peak or getting that Instagram shot of some lake and stuff like that. So people and I've seen it uh there's a lot of issues out west like uh see to see the sky highway up to Whistler and stuff. There's a lot of hiking trails that There was, um, I came across a video a week and a half ago of, uh, it was from the May 24 long weekend, and this guy got in his car, drove from the head of the hiking trail, down the road with his camera out the window, videoing all the cars parked on the side of the road. And it was two and a half kilometers, two and a half kilometers of parked cars. Of cars. On the side of the road. And all
0: those people are on the hiking trail. All those people on the hiking
1: trail. And in the article, they're talking about the increased pressure of people using the backcountry because of social media. So somebody sees this fantastic Instagram shot and says, I've got to go there. Mm-hmm. And what we're doing is we're, we're loving the outdoors death. Now there's a difference though, between overusing and Overloving the backcountry and then deliberately going out and vandalizing these backcountry areas. Going out of your way to carve into trees or or purposely vandalize signs or... You know, I'm not sure who thinks to bring a Sharpie or a spray can on a hiking trip. It doesn't make sense to me. I don't understand the mentality. But people are doing this. They're going to these remote backwoods areas and they're tagging just like they would the local mailbox or your neighbor's fence with so uh, have a building, yeah, a factory yeah, or something like that. With whatever your graffiti is, whatever your tag name is, and they're doing these in the backcountry. And I don't think it's your typical professional uh spray painter. It's uh it's people who are, are kids or up and they think that they're I don't know. I I can't see somebody who who spends a lifetime of uh tagging buildings, going to the backcountry to tag no. rock face. Right. It's, it's new people. It's people who don't know that you should keep it in certain areas. Right.
0: Yeah. I mean, the last thing I'm sticking in my backpack is a, a spray can. Yeah. A handful you know, like, of nails uh, in a spray can. It's like, I just don't get it. I, I don't, I don't. And I mean, that brings up, uh, you know, I, I, I'm checking out a bunch of articles here. Um, but for, you know, before I get into that part is, you see, I wonder, I wonder how many people look at the old time photos and stuff and how they used to camp way back in the day when they cut down three, you know, sticks and make a tripod over the fire to hang their can of yeah. whatever. And how many people, oh, well that's normal. So I'm going to go cut down three. trees. Yeah. And like, in to me, I would never think of doing that. No. And, and if you think about it back in the time, you would
1: have like. A couple dozen people into the backwoods on some sort of fishing trip, but nowadays we have thousands of people. We mm-hmm. can't have thousands of people cutting down random trees no. to to put a pot over the fireplace. And
0: you needed the 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 wood, uh, the branches, the sticks to um, hold up your, your tent at the time, right? Like the canvas tents. You don't now.
1: Yeah. No, you don't. You don't need it. You don't have to do it, and you shouldn't be doing it. No. But so it's, it's a different mentality now. Like we just have such a higher pressure of people in the backcountry. Population is increased, and the enjoyment of the backcountry and front country is is greatly increased.
0: Yeah, and just I don't, know, I don't know another way to say it, but the stupidity is increased. It is. It is. You know? And
1: back in the day, people researched and did what they could to get into the backcountry, and now. Your basic research is seeing a picture on Instagram and oh, I got to go see that place. I'm going to carve my name on a tree there and whatever, right? Yeah. Well, I don't think they plan on carving their name in the tree. It's just something they
0: do with the spur of the moment, right? Yeah. I, but I, I mean, don't... even if you go to some of the backcountry huts, you see people have written stuff. Yeah. On the walls and stuff. Yeah. It's like these I huts don't are it. there for everybody's yeah.
1: enjoyment, not for you to write your name on it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's vandalism. Well, what got me thinking about all this is uh, you pointed out an an article. Yeah. Um, Matanenda Provincial Park near Elliott Lake. There's a cliff face, I guess, that has over a hundred pictographs on it. And back in the day, there, there was, you know, it'd be all nice to go check this out. They still use it the area to do ceremonies and stuff like yeah, that, right? Yeah, because
1: it has taken on religious meaning. So for the natives in the area, they, they do these trips and they have religious ceremonies, uh, gift giving and and whatnot, it's, you know, they they work with their traditions, and there is a resurgence of Native traditions in Canada over the last couple years, five years, and it's, it's really progressing, they're really bringing it back, and it's really nice to see that they're enveloping their heritage. But with all of these Petroglyphs and pictographs, it's pictographs and petroglyphs. It's, yeah. it's their it's their living history. It's it's their written word. This Sacred. is this is their you know two thousand year old Bible type thing, yeah. right? Yeah. So that's what they go back to to do their ceremonies around, and it's got a lot of history. It's their it's the
0: living native history of the country. Well, out of these hundred or so pictographs, there are only about five left. That haven't been marked with spray paint. Yeah. People are going there and saying, I'm going to make my own pictograph. And they're tagging it. They're, they, somebody they say has painted a, uh, the one picture, a giant Canadian yes. flag yeah. at the top of this cliff. Yeah. Why?
2: <laughs> I, Why? Just, I what, don't get it. What would go through yeah.
0: somebody's head to do that? And, I mean, even, it, even if you take the way away, the fact that, you know, they're still using these in their ceremonies, yes. this cliff face, this location. Yeah. Just the history of it and to actually see something that's like hundreds of thousands of years old. Yep. Why would you deface that? It doesn't make sense to me. It really doesn't.
1: And I don't know if there's a level of maliciousness or just a level of ignorance or a lack of education on in, in general for the people that are doing this. But somebody would, and these are in remote areas. Very is, remote, yeah. This is not something that you could walk to from your local high school. These are areas that you, you take a long time to hike or canoe into. And so somebody has had some sort of weird forethought to
0: say, I'm going to bring some cans of paint into the backcountry. And I'm going to tag yeah, that's ridiculous. Yeah, one of the uh, the chiefs um, of the Mississauga First Nations community near the park that you know he's he's part of the does the ceremonies and stuff says he believes vandalized mosques garner more anger and disappointment from society than this does.
1: Yes, which I got to think is true. It's in your well. See, a vandalized mosque is in your face. Yeah, hits the news. It's on the six o'clock news but the vandalized pictographs is just word of mouth you don't you don't see cbc or ctv or cnn or anything like it. if there's pictographs in the states or in canada you don't you don't see a lot of uh, a lot of media coverage of it
0: yeah and the problem is is having this way back out of the way place it's not like you're going to catch anybody. And that's his no. big thing is he said, so, you're not going yeah, to catch
1: it. It could be months after the fact before somebody discovers it or weeks or whatever, right? So it's not it's
0: not as current or the speed of time is, is a lot slower back there. Yeah. Um, so going from that one, I just started looking about, you know, backcountry vandalism. 2016, end of 2000, about November. Powell, River back, Powell River's backcountry in BC. Yes. Illegal dumpers and... Um, fires, parties, stuff like that, right? Which is fine. Everybody wants to get a little fire, bonfire, bushfire, going whatever. But they're going back into the bush with everything. Pallets that are like pressure-treated pallets with chemicals in them. Yeah. Uh, Wooden pallets that can ignite wildfires. Yes. And that's what has happened. Uh, When they do go back there to put out these fires, they're finding... um, tires, tires shingles, car and, batteries, oil, paint, refrigerators, trailers, campers, boats. Yeah. So you get your you have two groups of people. Group A is the people who
1: aren't, you know, they don't think beyond themselves and they are just finding a place to dump their trash. Mm-hmm. And then you got a second group of people who get into the backcountry and say, Oh, look at all the stuff I can burn. Exactly. Right? So you get these two groups of people that combine to create potentially a hazardous situation for the the backcountry, the wildlife, and anything that's burned. All some of the you know, burning car batteries, the acid leaking out. You're talking leachate into the local rivers and streams. And people rely in the backcountry, in some of these native communities, they rely heavily on these freshwater
0: resources. Well, Duck Lake in the Powell uh, River area is yeah. one of them, and the people downstream rely on the water, uh, including a fish hatchery. Yeah. So they're ruining the ground, they're ruining the water, they're killing off the fish, and they're starting wildfires. Yeah. Like, we're talking major vandalism there. Yeah, you're talking, right? and this is like dump dumpers and people having bush parties. Yeah. Vandalism can be also something that you don't think is really big because there's already a sign. Pacific Crest Trail has an issue where they got the signs yeah. along the trail, pointing yes. ways and stuff like that and whatnot. They're having to spend a large amount of time and money needlessly because people feel they need to write on the signs, bathrooms, bridges, picnic tables, rocks, and anything else that they can find. (laughs) So you got to go; they got to keep going in and getting rid of all this graffiti to keep it sort of wilderness-like.
1: And and I think the uh, like the odd. Person going into the backcountry is not going to think to be putting graffiti on the signs or on the bathrooms or whatever. But all it takes is one person and then somebody else responds to that graffiti. Mm-hmm. And once you have like, you know, a dozen or more bits of graffiti everywhere, people think that, oh,
0: everybody's doing everybody's it. Everybody's doing it. Yeah. I might as well too. Mine's yeah. better. Well, so the Pacific Crest, uh, Crest Trail. Uh, they they say graffiti becomes a waste of valuable time and money that we could be spending repairing trails, replacing these ruined signs is expensive. And the other point they make is, and I you like you would like point. to see the old signs still uh, there, like a fifty year old, a fifty year old little marker, weathered sign that yeah. that. that yeah. You don't want to see something brand new, like yeah. a whole bunch of brand new brand signs, new aluminum painted right? sign. It's that's that doesn't have the same cachet. Yeah. Um, Fort Lewis College near uh, Bluff, Utah. They defaced, I guess there was a group of them out there, and they defaced an ancient Native American ruins. Um, There's a place called Fishmouth Cave. And (laughs) written on this this cave, at the mouth of the cave, Fort Lewis College OP2016 2016. 2016. Yeah. Right? Uh, Students were of course, identified because they knew who it was. Yes. You know, now apparently there are other people who have put graffiti in this area. What they um, basically sign their name to. Yeah. They basically said, Hey, this is us, right? Instead of punishment, the school has chosen to use the incident as a learning experience. Also a way to make amends. They've reached out to the Bureau of Land Management and said, listen, instead of, you know, punishing these kids, why don't we get them out there to clean it? And, That includes all the rest of the graffiti that's been there for years and years and years. The Bureau of Land Management Office um, in Monticello, Utah says it's investigating, of course, declined to comment, of course, but under the Archaeological Resource Protection Act, first-time violators are subject to civil or criminal penalties of up to $250,000 fine or a five-year prison term or both. (laughs) <laughs> so, do you think it's in the college's best interest to say, hey, you know what, uh, let's work Knock together here? Exactly. Right? Exactly. Fishmouth Cave is an opening in the eastern side of Comb Ridge that resembles a fishmouth. Very little, little archaeological uh, archaeology left in the cave itself after extensive looting at the turn of the 20th century, yet it remains a culturally significant site, which these students decided they would vandalize. Yeah. So it's not just, you know, like Northern Ontario or, you know, Canada, that sort of thing. This happened happening everywhere. Um, and I think there's an aspect of it, group mentality. You on your own would maybe not normally do this, but you get together as a group and, and you can do bad things. Yeah. And there's even another one in, back in 2013, somebody took a paintball gun near First Nation rock art near uh, Nelson, BC. Yeah. Same deal. Now they've got to figure out how to get all this. Uh,
1: yeah, they're looking into is the paintball paint washable. Do they have to take a special means to clear it off? They're hoping that rain. Right now, they're hoping that rain's going to wash it off.
0: Yeah, uh, and hopefully that'll that'll work. Yeah, and it's it's this is not a one off. This people keep doing this stuff over and over. So, leave your markers at home. Leave your spray cans at home, and uh, stop the vandalism. I I, I can't see enjoy what it's for. the backcountry and let others enjoy it after you. Exactly. We'll be back in a second. You are listening to Paddling Adventures Radio on Reno Viola Outdoors. Do you enjoy getting on the water with a paddle in your hand? If so, this show's for you. Listen to Paddling Adventures Radio every Wednesday at 6 a.m. and 6 p.m. and see what's happening in the world of paddle sports. Paddling Adventures Radio. Whether you're close to home or far away, Grab a paddle and get on the water. If you like the show you are listening to right now, you can listen to it and many more just like it on Reno Viola
1: Outdoors Radio. Fishing, hunting, boating, and the rest of the great outdoors
0: 24 7, 365 on Reno Viola Outdoors Radio. Download the free Reno Violas Outdoor Radio app or visit wrvoradio.com
1: online to see the lineup and schedule. That's Reno Viola Outdoors Radio,
0: and enjoy the great outdoors. Well, Derek, uh, I think that's about it for our show here. Um, the tanking, I definitely think we got to try that out somewhere. <laughs> I'm in. <laughs> that's a little redneck action going there, some beers and guns and yeah. and uh, fishing. and <laughs> Gilly Kettle, take it on a couple canoe trips and definitely let us know how that is, whether you're going to keep on Absolutely. taking it or not. Well, it's worked out so far, I think I'm going to keep using it. Yeah, it's just heavy, right? So, Well, it's not the heavy, it's the bulk. Yeah. Uh, vandalism. As for the, you know, education can deal with the, the knives into the trees and the, the nails and spikes. But as for the defacing pictographs... Um, it's beyond understanding, really. Yeah. Um, well, that's it for us. If anybody wants to find out more about us, you can find us on paddlingadventuresradio.com, Facebook. Twitter and Instagram. You can find past episodes on iTunes and Google Play. Thank you everybody for listening. I'm Sean Rowley.
1: And I'm Derek Specht. We'll see you next time.